Well, hello, hello. It is yet another week of all things Dorothy's daughter. And on this episode, this Tuesday, we're going to continue our journey on love and loss. However, this is also a week that we're celebrating Memorial Day. And I would ask that you please take a few moments with me as we become silent and recognize those who have given their lives to serve this country. Thank you so much for joining me in that moment of silence. I think it's important that we recognize that there are still individuals still hurting because their family members are no longer here. But me as a veteran, I appreciate those that have given their lives for me as an individual. But today, we continue the conversation about love and loss. And on today's episode, I have Yolanda joining me. And Yolanda is going to talk about how she has gotten through or is still getting through, not getting over the loss of her son, Masari. And I've known Masari since before he was born. And so I feel privileged that Yolanda has agreed to share her story. So please take a listen, share with a friend and have a wonderful day. Yolanda to the All Things Dorothy's Daughters podcast. Thank you so much for joining. I would love for you to introduce yourself to those that don't know you, and then maybe I can talk a little bit about how I've known you almost all my life. Okay. My name is Yolanda. I am almost 47 years old, and I feel like I am the epitome of learning love and loss. Um, I have four beautiful children, one in heaven, and I have myself who is growing and learning and loving and and hurting all together in life, and I have some phenomenal friends, Janine is one of them, who we've been friends for almost 32 years. Mind you, we started out as not friends, so that's neither here or there. I currently live in um, in a suburb of Atlanta, Georgia, and um, I'm just out here living life and learning. Well, welcome to the yeah, show, Yolanda. We're look. I'm happy to have you, and I appreciate you joining. Um, thinking of knowing you for 32 years, as everyone, you know, Yolanda mentioned, we've known each other, and she didn't like me in the beginning, but that's neither here nor there. That's, a, that's on a friendship podcast, which will happen in the month of August, I believe. So we can talk a little bit okay. about that later, which will be cool. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I never thought that I'd have a friend our age that had lost a child. And I've known Masari even before that, you know, he was born. But first, you know, let's talk, tell me a little bit about Masari. I think I learned a lot about Masari. And I, and I know, well, it, it sounds kind of weird that I'm jumping right in, but well, this will all come full circle. Um, but I'd like to know about him as, as the man, you know, before he left and maybe some of the things that you learned about him, um, through his transition into heaven. So I, I'm a mom, you know, and I've got four kids, um, 
Um, my oldest is Jonisha Michelle, and she's 27 this year. And Masari is forever 23, but he would be 26 this year. I've got a um, soon-to-be 18-year-old, Kai Glory, and my baby boy, Joshua Joseph. But I, I'm a mom, and so moms, we know our kids, but we know them in a in a box. We know them in a flat sense. They're friends, people they encounter, people they work for, people they work with, people that they just run into. Those people, which you don't generally get to talk to in everyday life, but in his passing, all these people, former coworkers, former employers, um, former classmates, um, former friends, these people come forth and they broaden your understanding of who your kid was because we know our kids in terms of I love you, I'm the mom, I'm the parent, you do what I say, you let me guide you, um, you grow closer to each other, but you don't you don't know the fullness of that person. And I've had the privilege of having all these um all these individuals come forward and, and share stories that painted a picture. You know, I, I, I shared with someone, you know, that God, he makes us in full color. And the people we come in contact with, they, they just allow that color to just fully embody itself. And so all these people have all come forward and they've painted a picture of my son that was 20,000 times more bold than I understood him to be. And it gave me the opportunity to see what I had imparted to him, who he had developed into as a man, what he was struggling with, what he gave to other people that I gave to him and he passed on. So it's, I I know him better in death than I, I knew him in life, which is odd. Um, not even odd, I just can't find a better word for it, but I know him better now than I knew him in life because I can see him through the eyes of others and how he projected himself. So that has been, that, that's that been pretty um, refreshing um, yeah. of all things to say. Well, you know, you said that he, God makes us in full color. But I, think, I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard it, you know, heard it said that way. Um and you'd like double click on that a little bit. What do you mean for those who may not know what you mean by that? So like, you know, we, the way that we see ourselves, I think is limited. We see ourselves in a limited view and we attempt to constantly work on our relationship with God. But the the way that we see ourselves is limited. The way that other people see us is is another color the way that we touch people who who aren't really in our close circle is another color. The way that we um, educate people we work with is another color. Like he creates us in this bold, magnificent um, palette that we don't we don't get to see. I mean, it's it's crazy. We ourselves don't get to see it, and we walk in life doubting ourselves, and we walk in life with all these insecurities, and, and that's human. Um, but he created us to be so full. And I guess I think that we limit ourselves and we don't get to see even a 50% of the glimpse of who he's created to be, created us to be. But through our relationships, which is, you know, what he's called us to do is to have relationships with each other. That's where our full color is, comes from. And I didn't, I limited my own life in seeing my own, my full color. But in my son's death, it's given me an opportunity 
to recognize um, what I didn't see before. Man, and it looks like, you know, just based on some of the pictures I've seen of Masari and videos, he was living in full color, and he recognized that within himself. Would you say that to be true? I think so, but I, I do, you know, of course, you know, a young man growing up without a father in his life to guide him, without a male role model, you know, I think he was hurting in that area, but and me being so full of whatever society tells you is success, like, I wanted to push him to be what I wanted to define or what society wanted to define as happy, full, prosperous, and, and he wasn't there, and so... Um, we were, I wouldn't say like there wasn't a risk, but there was a little bit of a, little bit of a something there. But um, he really was able to just be humble and enjoy people and laugh and make others laugh. You know, I think he was happy, but he was battling with what society says is prosperous and you know, mm. struggling with his mom, his mom's expectations, because of course I had them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he was a very he was a very full person, and I'm just amazed at the age range of people who have told me stories about how Masari influenced their life. And I'm like, that you know what? And and I see a little bit of myself, just a little bit. You know, I need to take a little bit, take a little bit <laughs> of credit. I see a little <laughs> bit of myself there, and that that just makes me feel full as a mother that, you know, when people tell me, like I had a girl send me this letter about how Masari, I had written him a note on this little pink sticky note, and she was like, he came to work with this note in his pocket, and she was like, I want you to know that he loved you and he trusted you and he, you know, appreciated you and he had this sticky note he was showing people, and I was like, you know what, that, that means something to my heart. Yeah, man, that 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 be and to think about a young man carrying the note, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. you would never. I wonder if he would have ever even showed it to you. Like, oh, mom, you don't even know um, that I was carrying this. Um, if we can, you know, if you're comfortable, can we back up a, a bit? Because in, you know, will you are you okay with talking about what happened to Masari? Um, yeah, um, I'm okay. He. Let, let's see, he was 23. Um, he is not a stranger to um, having a good time. Like anybody who will tell you about Masari will tell you that that boy knows how to have a good time. And, of course, as his mom and his being a young man, I don't know the full extent, but he um, was um, at a bowling alley, at a little bar in the bowling alley. Um, he drank too much. Um, in my opinion, the, the uh, bartender over poured, but in the state of Georgia, um, over pouring doesn't apply to the person who's purchasing. It only applies if you're driving in a car and everybody else in the car um, is, is privy to that. I'm sorry because I'm outside. Do you hear all that? I don't hear anything. Well, nope. Okay. So. He um, was heavily intoxicated and unfortunately was driving too fast, um, spun out of control. The, the, the tough part about it is um, that when he, when he came to a stopping point, when he, when he did crash, um, something happened in the fuel line and the 
vehicle um, burst into flames. And so, you know, I have to deal with the question in my mind. And, and you know, I, I don't know God's plan or how things work out, but constantly the question in my mind of whether or not my son um, perished in anguish or if he perished upon impact. And I'm told that it was a, it had to have been upon impact. Uh, but that that's my deepest struggle is that to not have been there with him somehow to comfort him, but that, you know, that were, those were his final moments was um, a fatal car accident. So, so, yeah. so how do, how do you as a mother, right? How do you, I, you know, and again, you know, we talked about this, but you don't get over it, but how do you continue to go through it, right? And live your life and, and, and still struggle and thinking about that point, you know, that you're like, oh, what, what could have, should have, you know, because there, there's, a, there's a way that you could stay there. But how, how have you been able to continue on with that? I never did it. I never did a would have, could have, should have. Now, and, and people might misinterpret this, but my one wish is that though I couldn't change anything, no, I can't change anything, no, I can't have my son back, but if some supernatural God-given power would have allowed me to be present in that vehicle with him to just hold him as he passed from this life to the other. That's all I want to do is just hold my son and say, I love you. That's it. And and wherever it is, I could transfer back to you so I still need to live my life and I don't perish in that car with him, but I just want to be able to hold him because he spends a day without us knowing that he had passed. And that's just, to me, in my mind, it's like my son was alone. And I absolutely hate that. But um, I don't have any would've, could've, should've. I don't have any, I never, I was never angry. I was never angry. And um, I just am so touched by who he was as a person. Um, and, you know, people always be like, oh, in death, everybody was wonderful. But, right. you know, and I know he was just, I, I, him and his sister, you know, they're only a year apart. They, you know, they've got totally different personalities, but they super, you know, they were really close. And, and, and he was a butthole, I think, to his sister. He was a butthole to his niece, I mean, to his cousin, to my niece sometimes. But, you know, I guess that's their, their age group, their little interactions they have. But he, raising four kids by myself as a single mother, he was never disrespectful to me. He did whatever I asked him to do. He was loving and helpful and supportive. Um, I just, I feel so blessed for every moment that I absolutely had with him. Like, you know, I started out not because I've, I wouldn't say I've had a rough life. I could put it in that perspective if I want to, but a life that required me to be extremely independent. So I walked mm-hmm. through life from an early age being very independent and, and ignoring feelings, ignoring the necessity to feel life because that was my survival mode. So the first year after he died, I maintained in survival mode. People were always like, how could you give his eulogy? How could you be so strong? But that was survival mode. My whole brain turned itself off and just went into survival mode, which I'd really always been in. And then after about a year, I started to crumble 
and, you know, I did have to see a counselor, and it helped me recognize that it's okay for me to feel. I'm human, forgive myself, show myself compassion, but he, whenever I, I, I get, I don't crumble because I feel like he's always saying, hey, mom, I love you. I can see his face. I can see his smile. He's so handsome. He was funny, charismatic. Like, that's not, I know for a fact that that boy would be torn apart if I was torn up. If I couldn't right. be the mom I needed to be for his brother and sister, you know, his younger brother and sister. So I just, I just can't. And I know that I have to live, that I have to, I have to grow. Like, I can't stay in one place. This, this whole idea that he died before his time, like, that, I don't know, that's not a reality for me. He was here. He experienced life. I loved him. And I just, you know, I'm learning not to take anything for granted. Yeah, you, you, you know, you said something how, um, you know, gone before his time. And there's all these cliches, right, about life. Yeah. Or death, right? People say, oh, you know, whatever. Um, what is, like, one or two things, and I'm sure it's come to the top of your head, that you just want people to know to not freaking say, like, to a person that, that has lost, even whether a parent. I mean, I can think of some things that people said about my, you know, my mom, and I'm like, is that supposed to make it better? But it doesn't. Is there something or that just kind of pops in your head that you're like, I wish people just would stop saying that? For a minute, I would get totally pissed off that people say, well, when people say, I'm sorry for your loss, and then I would get even more pissed off when they would say, I'm sorry for your loss, with the T, because it's not my loss, with the T. <laughs> but Miss Educator, for the podcast people, I, this is a, she is a prince, vice principal, by the way. <laughs> I, um, I would get mad when they say, I'm sorry for your loss, because... To me, initially, in my mind, like, it's not a loss. Like, I, that that boy is with me. He is in my breath. He is in my heart. He is with me when I wake up. He is in my mind. He is in my memory. That, I mean, that boy, to me, he cradles me. That he, he, I don't have his flesh, but I have not lost him. I have not. And that would make me so angry. And then I read something that said, you know, there will come a time, and you, I, you know, I, I had this, I was on this kick, like, you know, we can't forget his memory. We got to do this. We got to do that. But there will be come a point in time in this world when there will be no one left to remember him or me. And I was like, mm. dang, wow, dang it, that's not cool. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I've never thought well, about honestly, that. Thanks for flipping yeah. my brain upside down, Yolanda. That that I was like, oh heck, that that wow. hurt me. So there's nothing there. You know, I'm I've I've spent so much of my life not feeling, not allowing myself to feel, not understanding how to be compassionate with myself and patient with myself. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm not that. No. When I hurt, when I miss them, I'm sitting on my porch right now, and I was, like, chilling. And then all of a sudden, I start missing my boy. And I and I learned to just let that feeling sit on me because I, I deserve it. That, that's a part of – that's a part of it. And that's a, that's a part of – I don't know what I read that 
that grief is grief is the price of love. It's mm-hmm. the price of love. And I don't mind paying it. And I'm okay with missing him. I'm okay with hurting. I'm okay with my heart feeling I just don't I just don't won't stay there. So Wow. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. Whatever people say, because they don't understand and they don't know what to say. So I wind up comforting the people who come talk to me. (laughs) They want to. They want to be like, hey, oh, hey, and then you're like giving them a hug because they're crying. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point too. What you know? What what do people say? What would be more comforting? Here's what I want. Here's what I want. I want people to stop. It doesn't matter. I mean, pain is pain. Heartache, grief, betrayal, whatever. Pain is pain. And we all know what pain feels like. I want people to stop not allowing others to express their pain. Like, we're human. We, we've, got to, we've got to progress through whatever that is or we never get over it. So stop. Um, Oh my gosh! Boxing in people's lives, people's experience, and they can't express that I'm hurting. I came to work on Monday. I'm gonna do my job, but I'm hurting. So like, if I'm close enough to you at work, come say something. Like, come acknowledge. Do like we don't give people the space to be human. Give people the space to be human. Otherwise, you force us to work through things in an unhealthy way. And I mm-hmm. just, I don't know. I just think that's just unfair. Now, do I want you to be crying all the goddamn time? No. <laughs> no, I don't. But, but we are, we're human. Let us live. Let somebody acknowledge the fact that you're hurting. Don't keep running away from it. I mean, we, we have our circle at work. You know, you've got your inner circle and then the folks on the outer. Maybe you don't express things to them, but I guess just don't be so afraid. I read something that said that, we need to look people's hurt in the in their in the eyes. Look them in the eyes. Don't look away. Don't treat them like their pain is not real. Don't treat them like, oh, you'll be better on Friday. Like look them in the eyes and acknowledge what you see. Just don't turn away. That's that to me is the worst thing. Wow, that that's really cool. Um I mean I I'm like letting that one sit a minute because it's so true that, you know, because I think about even when I was a little girl, you know, you follow your mom be like, don't cry. Why are you crying? Right. Let yourself off and keep walking. You know? But yeah. it kind of starts, it kind of starts there. Um, and it's really, man, and, and, and you know, and when people just be like, oh, just get over it. Oh, just move on. Oh. Um, that's really not giving the people, the, and now, granted, there's the other end of the spectrum, right, that could turn into are you ever gonna get your life together, person? Right? If you're always yeah. <laughs> stuck in the stuck in the woods or the wilderness, but give people the you know you said give people the space to be human. That's kind of something that I'm working on too. It's trying to be human and trying to be real and not being so tough all the time. Yeah, you know, tough is a survival kind of thing, and depending on what your context is, you know, you know, having to pull it together and raise four kids by myself, you know, I needed to be tough. I needed to not, that was the way that I got through was to not feel. 
because if I fooled around feeling stuff all the time, I I wouldn't have made it through. But mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know. Just, I, I freaking had to, I was crying in the shower one day. And I don't be crying because every time I was going to cry, I'd be like, talk myself out of it or like, I forgot that I needed to cry. So I'm crying in the shower and I'm like, amazed that I'm crying. And it, it, because it wasn't natural. It was like so novel. And I didn't even know what to do with those emotions. Um, but, it, you know, I had to keep reading stuff to convince myself that it was okay to cry. And that I needed to be patient with myself. And everybody has their own time frame of dealing with things. But, I mean, I, I miss that boy. I miss that boy. I mean, I... I come short of saying I want him to be back here. And some people may not understand that. My I understand it. was here for the time that he was here. And I don't his being his being gone has taught me so many things that I would not have learned otherwise. And I'm not saying it was okay for his life to perish so that I could learn. But I don't have any right. control over, you know, how much time people have here on earth. And and the truth of the matter is, you know, this whole thing, they died too soon or he made a he made a poor choice, which he did. He drank too much, um, and, and cost himself his life and I, I thank God that he didn't cost somebody else their lives because he made a poor choice. But the reality is all of us are making the choice toward death every day. You don't eat right, you slowly killing yourself. He made a choice that just yep. happened more suddenly than others. You don't eat right, you don't exercise, you don't take care of your mental health, you don't take care of your physical, you're making a choice slowly every day to kill yourself. So, like, I don't ask for him to be back. Um, I just appreciate what his life is, is showing me and what's being revealed to me through through my hurt. I, I read something the other day about um, the closer you get to your pain, you open up a whole realm of healing for yourself that grows you beyond what you could have ever imagined. And I'm just like, you know, I just want to be better. I want to be able to love. I I don't know. I just want to be better. Yeah, you know, the closer you get, and I think about that whole, the closer you get to your pain, you know, and and I'm speculating, I wonder if it's because you're going to a place where you never thought that you could go, right, from a pain perspective. So then you're able to think even bigger for your life. I think that's what it means for me. Um, the, every time I try to connect to my emotions, and it actually makes me like, wow, I didn't realize that I could actually deal with that. You know, that whole crying, and I've done that crying in the shower. When my, my mom be gone sometimes. I'm still like, oh, Lord, what's happening? And then tears just happen, and actually I feel better. But I feel like I can yeah. do anything. I used to suck up <laughs> tears like – Oh my God, I'd be like, oh, don't cry. I wouldn't let my, I just wouldn't let, I just wouldn't release that. And it's so crazy because I'm I'm happier now than I have ever been in my whole, not adult, not childhood, but my whole human life. And when I realized that, I start crying. I was like, oh my God, I'm happy. What is this feeling? <laughs> This is not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be. What is this? And 
I'm not perfect. I'm a mess. I need to fix some stuff, but I'm okay with me. I'm I'm okay with me. And I, you know, I can see my boy in my mind's eye. And I, I, I feel like I still have him. I'm like, my family is closer. It's like we understand. Like we're not a big talking family, but we are very connected. Mm-hmm. And it's just unsaid. We understand that we, I, we love each other, and we we lost this other person that connected us. And so, the space where he was that he's not standing, we all just like pulled the rope. T- okay, we can all stand closer together now. We're gonna, you know, just pull in because we understand without saying it every day that we we don't have every day guaranteed to us. So every day that I look in your face, Ty, Joshua, Jonisha, every day that I look in your face, you're gonna see that I love you because I don't I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. And right. that's just how that's just how we live now. And it's like, you know, whether things are up or down, it's just this constant bond that says, you know what, I love you no matter what. Today, tomorrow, you didn't piss me off, whatever. I love you. No, so it's true. Just, I think, and I, you know, I know my kids will at some point will have to deal with this, you know, because I, I don't know, they have to deal with it in their own way. Um, Janisha had to get counseling. She got it before me. The younger two kids didn't want to do counseling. But I feel like, I don't know, I, I, I still feel like we're in a healthy place. I really do. So, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you're like me, you're wondering, how did it just end that way? We did start having some technical difficulties. However, I do believe that not everyone's entire story is written in 30 minutes. So, I believe that the technical difficulties happen for a reason. So, please, take a listen. Share this podcast with a friend. Make sure that you subscribe. Please leave me a comment. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Because guess what? This is the second to last episode of Love and Loss series for the month of May. And for the month of June, we will be talking about sex. Yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. That's what I said. We will be talking about sex. So I hope that you enjoyed Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, so that you don't miss an episode. But the best thing that you can do is share this podcast with a friend. Remember, we are talking to real people about real things that happens in real life. This is not Instagram. This is not Facebook. This is not Snapchat. This is the real deal. So I hope that you guys are enjoying it. I so look forward to continuing the dialogue and I appreciate everyone sharing. Make the rest of your week a wonderful week. Thank you.